everyone, and welcome to Creative Edge Writers Showcase. I'm your host, Christy Stratus, author of Anatomy of a Darkened Heart and Brotherhood of Secrets, and owner of my editing company at ProofPositivePro.com. This show is part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, and our guest tonight is Ellen Michelle, book reviewer and author interviewer at Scribbles, Quibbles, and Scrawlings, which is also known as SQS. So thank you so much for being here, Ellen. Thanks, Christy. Glad to be here. So can you start out by telling us what exactly SQS is? Absolutely. So I started SQS to be a, a resource for Canadian authors to promote themselves um, because I realized that the small press community within Canada um, was having a hard time trying to um, really get their books out there and promoted uh, without the higher budgets that multinational um, publishing companies have. So I really wanted to support the local authors and the local publishers in Canada. So I started this book review blog, um, started off as a hobby and it grew a little bit. So I'm happy about that. And yeah, so I primarily take um, independent authors and small publishers and I'll review books and do author interviews and promote them in any way that I can. I like that. That's a great service. And I know you specifically mentioned the reason that you do this um, is because of the budget that not all small presses have. And so I wondered if small presses directly contact you at all, or do you usually reach out to them? It's a mix, but honestly, most of the books that I get for review are from authors or publishers that I meet at events. So I do a lot of conventions, especially on the West Coast of Canada. And a lot of the time they'll just give me a book right there on site after talking to them a little bit about my blog and, and their authors. Um, but I also do have a contact form on my website where independent authors and publishers are welcome to contact me and uh, we can chat about doing reviews or interviews that way as well. I was actually going to ask you if you go to book cons. Um, I thought Absolutely. that I had seen, yeah, I thought that I had seen some pictures. Uh, I don't remember if it was on Instagram or Facebook or where, but I know that you do go to them. And so, mm -hmm. I first of all, it's great to know that they can meet you there. And mm -hmm. second, um, do you have any cons that you particularly like that you've been to? Uh, Creative Inc. is one of my favorites. It's in Burnaby, British Columbia, every year. Um, I think this is its fourth or fifth year coming up now so it's a little bit newer but it's been fantastic i've gone almost every year um and when words collide in calgary is another big one i always make sure i go to since you've been there and you are someone who's looking at books and you're probably buying some books as well do you have any advice to authors who want to set up a booth there or you know something along those lines um what draws you in what would you tell them is like a good idea to do at their booth um, well, honestly, independent authors especially don't necessarily need their own booth. A lot of cons will have a shared author table where you just have to donate like a, an hour or two of your time over the weekend to watch the table and all authors who have their books on the table will do that and sell each other's books. So you don't need to be standing at the booth the whole time. You can also go and do panels and presentations and things like that to promote yourself and meet people without being stuck behind a booth the whole time. So that's a really, really good way to do it. It also saves costs because the booths can be quite expensive. 
So instead of paying money for a booth, you're spending a little bit of time behind the table helping sell other people's books as well, and it's a great exchange. Another option is to check what vendors are already signed up. Because a lot of the time when I'm going to conventions, I'm actually working for Mythhawker Traveling Bookstore. And that's a Canadian-run bookstore that sells books at conventions. And we often take... Um, consignment books from independent authors who are at the event. So that's another option as well. So before you actually go and spend money on a booth yourself, check what other options you have because that frees up a lot of your time to go do panels and things like that that can help sell your book as well. And if it does come down to you getting a booth, see if you can split the cost with another independent author because then again, it saves money, it's, it can save a lot of time as well. So definitely check out your options before just jumping in to purchase a full booth. That's great advice. I'm sure a lot of people are going to find that super helpful. Um, to switch back to SQS, uh, mm -hmm. I wanted to ask, um, you may have mentioned this, but if you could repeat, do you also interview and read self-published authors or do you stick with small presses? Absolutely. I'm always happy to take self-published books as well, as long as the author is Canadian. Mm -hmm. Okay. And specifically Canadian, because I know that you said for small presses, what the reason mm -hmm. is but specifically Canadian, because do you see them like not getting really enough publicity? Absolutely. Yeah. And personally, I am Canadian and I just believe we have so much talent in this country that I like to focus on promoting that. I really believe in the shop local, read local movements. So I like to promote um, the Canadian authors for that reason. Okay. Yeah, that's that's great. I like that whole movement pretty much for anything, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that some of your favorite genres are um, in speculative fiction. So we've got mm -hmm. science fiction, fantasy, crime. Uh, I believe I believe you list crime, mystery, and horror as things that yeah. you really enjoy. Um, can why are they your favorites, and do you only review those, or do you review pretty much any any genre? I only review those genres um, because I know those genres really really well. Um, so if someone came to me with a romance, I mean, it's not really a genre that I read often, so I'm not able to give as good of a review as I can with the genres that I read often and know really well. So I believe that's more valuable for me to stick to the genres that I know well. Um, and those genres have just always been my favorites. It's, it's what I grew up reading. So again, it's just what I know well, and it's what draws me in. I really like those genres too, because there's a lot of opportunity for the weird, bizarre, and cross-genre kind of work, which I love. Like I, I list specific genres that I work with and that I enjoy, but what I really love are the, the books and the stories that bend the genre rules and don't really fit into the box. So that's really what I'm looking for. But oftentimes, like, you need to label it with a genre because that's how the industry works. So they tend to fall into those five genres that I've listed. But I love the weird. Yeah, those are, it's so interesting when you can come up with something extremely unique or genre mixing or anything like that. Mm. I think it lends a lot to whatever whatever you choose to read, no matter what the combination is. Mm -hmm. I've seen some stuff where um, lately I've seen some mixing of like fantasy and crime, for example. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> I haven't read that yet. 
Is there any like particular book you would recommend or anything? Absolutely. Like Tyner Gillis. He is um, actually by day, his job is an RCMP sergeant. So he really, really knows the crime aspect and he throws in some new supernatural fantasy elements. His series is amazing. It got the first five star review on SQS and I'm just obsessed with his books. That's great. I'm going to have to check that out. It's such an interesting sounding genre mix. Like yeah, absolutely. It's great. So one of the things that you do is you mix or you pair book reviews with author interviews. And I really mm -hmm. like that concept. Um, do you do them book review and then author interview um, so that somebody can learn about the book and then the author or vice versa? Yeah, absolutely. I will always do the book review first. And a large part of that is because I want to have read the book before I interview the author. So I can have a mix of generic questions like what is your writing process and things like that that are interesting to readers but also ask them uh, questions specifically about the book or series um, i try to avoid giving spoilers as much as i can i'll ask some questions about their main character things like that that can give a little more insights into it for readers without spoiling it but i really like to have that mix so i'll always do the book review first so then i know that i've i've read the book and i have a and I've thought about the book before coming up with the questions for the interview, mm -hmm. um, but I do like to pair interviews with reviews as much as possible because I feel like it adds adds certain value for my readers. Yeah, I can understand that. I think it's also very interesting because a lot of times once you read a book and then you read like, for example, it's not going to be a biography, but once you read a little bit more about an author, you can sort of start picking up on maybe author intent and, mm -hmm. um, you know, things like that that might be in the book. So I really like that mix that you've got going on there. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you say makes your reviews unique or especially informative? Um, that's a good question. I, my process for my blog is that I don't post reviews of anything I would rate under a three out of five. And that being said, I do technically use a star rating system on the blog, but I don't make it searchable. So you can't go onto my website and just search for five out of five reviews. Um, it'll be clear on the review itself what it's been rated, but it's not searchable. And that's because all the reviews are my personal opinion and what I rate a three or a four, you might rate a five or something else, right? So I don't want the specific star rating to really influence a reader's decision, but I know that people who read reviews expect that. So it's there, but it's not searchable. And I won't review anything that's rated or that I would rate under a three because I don't believe in spreading negative reviews because again, what I rate under a three, you might think is fantastic because everyone has their own personal tastes. Everyone has their own preferences and things like that. So I, I don't believe in spreading negative reviews. Um, if I do get a book that I would rate lower and that I don't feel like I should review, I will usually send them an email or something and, and let them know why and maybe um, give them my review kind of personally, more just one-on-one -on -one to them. And maybe if there were some plot problems or characterization problems or something, then maybe that'll help them um, in writing their next book. And so I always try and give the author something positive out of the experience and out of the exchange, um, just because I don't believe in spreading negativity. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I agree. It's very different when you rate a traditional book. Like, um, let's say that you were to post your review on Amazon or Goodreads. If you rate a traditional book, you know, one star, it's really not going to hurt the author. But if you do that with an indie book or a small press book, I mean, it can really tank their reviews. And uh, that's yeah, unfortunate, exactly. too. Yeah, and I just don't don't believe in that because something that I don't like someone else might love and there's no reason for me to put that negativity out there because then that person who might have loved that book might not pick it up because of that mm -hmm. and I just don't want that to happen especially to indie authors and small presses they have a hard enough time as it is yeah absolutely so people can search um, by the rating but they can search by the genre yes they can yeah absolutely okay. Great. What is the latest paired review and interview that you've done? And if you're not sure, then what's your favorite, maybe? Um, that is a good question. My my favorites would have to be Tyner Gillis, as I've already mentioned, um, but also Rob Bofford. He's a Vancouver author who writes science fiction. I reviewed his book Tracer which is the first of a trilogy he also just recently released a standalone novel that I've yet to read but I'm excited to dig into because he's fantastic um, and interviewing him was really great because he wrote um, the Outer Earth series which is what Tracer is part of the main character is female and I was really interested in how he wrote this female character because it was so well done. It didn't seem cliche or troped at all. It was just seamless. And so I was really interested in talking to him about his process of writing a female main character because I know some people have trouble writing a main character of the opposite sex. Um, so it was great to be able to chat with him about that and give the readers a little bit of insight into his process there. That is interesting, and that sounds extremely useful for writers. So mm -hmm. really, I guess writers could read your author interviews, maybe sometimes your reviews, and glean some skills from them. Absolutely. I also um, occasionally will post writing tips posts mm -hmm. um, where I will ask uh, usually seven authors for a one-paragraph tip on a specific topic. So some of the ones I have up there right now are for short fiction, um, series, as well as fight scenes. So I'll get authors who write these types of scenes or, or stories and get them to submit a post, or a, a tip, sorry, and then I'll compile them all into one post so you get seven authors' expertise all in one place. And those posts tend to do really, really well on the blog. I can imagine, I would think so. Uh, what would you say impresses you most in a book? What are you looking for that really, and I know that that can be kind of broad sometimes because there's many things that can appeal depending on the genre and the book, but is there anything in particular that you say, I really hope, you know, this is in there or I really like that a lot? Um, anything unique, honestly, whether it's a unique type of main character or a unique setting. One book that's kind of standing out to me right now, um, it's called From Moon to Joshua, which is actually by an American author, but published by Edge Science Fiction and Fantasy, who's a Calgary publisher. Um, but that book, when I was reading it, I read the description of the book first, and I thought it sounded so weird. There's no way it could work. And I read it, and it was so unique. It was unlike anything I've ever read before, and it just grabbed me. And that book can only be described as supernatural meets Hunger Games meets the Wild West. 
Wow. And it doesn't sound like it should work, but it does. And that's what I love to read. And that's what I'm really looking for is something that just plays with those genre boundaries and tries something new. Hmm. That sounds really different. Like you said, I wouldn't think that that would work either, but then if it did, I was very was skeptical, that? but I loved it. That's yeah. so cool. That's really great. What, what on the opposite end would you say is something you really hate of like a pet peeve in books? Oh, geez, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Too tropey, too cliche. Yeah, yeah, too tropey or anything where um, dialogue kind of takes over the narrative. So there has to be a really good balance between narrative and dialogue. I want to be able to see and feel like I'm in that setting. And if there's too much dialogue, that usually takes away from the setting. So I do like a decent amount of narrative in, in most books. Um, but that being said, if the dialogue is done well, it can get around that, but that can be really tricky. Um, yeah, I'd say that's that's one thing that uh, I've come across that I don't particularly like. Have you ever come across a book that maybe was by an indie author or put out by a, a small press um, where maybe the cover looked kind of indie, you know what I mean? Um, or the concept sounded, well, actually you already answered the question about mm -hmm. the concept sounding like it couldn't work, but you know, a lot of us do judge a book by by its cover. Um, and that's just a fact of life and it's unfortunate, but uh, have you ever come across something like that where you really didn't think it was gonna be any good based on the cover or maybe the blurb and then you give it a shot anyway and it's, and it's good? Absolutely, there was one book, I believe last year that I did end up reviewing because the, the book itself was really good, but the cover needed some work. Um, it was very clear that the author had done the cover himself instead of hiring a professional designer. And if I was just, if I was at a convention and shopping for a book, I wouldn't have picked that one up off a table um, mm -hmm. because the cover was not appealing. But after I read it, it was a really, really good book and I enjoyed it. And I actually wrote in my review, don't judge this book by its cover because the inside is really, really good. So it is a tough balance because I wanted to rate the book highly, but I also have to rate the book as a whole. So I had to mention that, yeah, this cover isn't the best, but, you know, give the author a chance. Um, and then I did end up talking to that author about it too. And I strongly suggested that he hire a cover designer to redo that book as well as work with his future books. Um, so I hope he's taking that advice because I think it would really help. Mm -hmm. But yeah, a lot of people do judge the book by its cover. I've definitely been guilty of that as well, but I try to look past it. Yeah, certainly, of course. But yeah, that, that's um, it's very good advice to always make sure that the cover, it does look as close to traditional as possible. And um, I know that sometimes indie authors might want, be tempted um, to get like a sort of trendy cover. You know, this style is very in right now. And um, since sometimes books can be a flash in the pan, do you think that's a good idea? Um, because it'll draw people now and it looks very modern? Or do you think that that's kind of like it's going to date it fast and, you know, just stick with something more classic or that just works for the book, period? What do you think? I think just pick a cover 
that works with your book and works with the the genre works with your topics and your characters and your setting um, don't pick what's trendy now especially because by the time your book comes out there will be so many other books that look exactly the same and it'll be really hard for yours to stand out so instead of like you definitely should be looking at other book covers and seeing what you like and don't like. And if you are hiring a professional designer, give them those as examples. Like, hey, I really like this part of this cover and this part of this other one. But you don't want it to match exactly because then it won't stand out. You want something that is unique to your story and your setting so that it'll stand out amongst those other trendy books. I agree with you. Um, and also, do you have any requirements? Um, I wouldn't think so based on what you've said so far, but um, is there anything that makes like an author appeal to you? As in, um, I know this happens when you query a lot of places for publication. Um, if the more sort of literary journals and magazines you can, you know, put as accolades, the more likely they're going to be interested in you. Um, does it matter to you anything like that? Or is it really just let me see the book? That's that's all that matters. Absolutely. I'd say a very large part of it is just let me see the book. Um, but a small portion of it, it also is also the communication before I get the book and, and during that process. Um, because I have had instances where um, the, the author or publisher has not necessarily been very professional in the communication. And then I'm far less likely to put their book at the top of my to read list or review it at all if I'm not having a pleasant interaction with the person. Um, so, and I've had instances where people just kind of shove books at me and say, here, review it, and then walk away. Like, no, that's not going to make me like you. That's not going to make me want to read or review your book. We have to be able to have a conversation and I expect to be treated as a professional. I work in the industry professionally full time. So like you need to have that and show that respect and it goes both ways, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're going to show me that respect, then I will show you the same respect and I will treat your book with respect. And that goes back to, again, not spreading negativity, right? I do my best to only promote um, positivity. So I need to be treated in that way as well. Um, so that's one thing that can really deter me from reading and reviewing a book. Great advice. Very good advice. Um, I, I did see a picture. I Again, I can't recall which social media platform it was on, but um, Adam Dries, who many of us know, um, mm -hmm. had given you, I think, like a stack of his books. And so yeah. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> it's like a dream, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I did wonder, um, since his, for example, his books are going to be, some of them will be older, some will be newer. If an author had a book they wanted you to review and you were interested, but let's say they were from like 2013 or 15, is there any like, um, you know, sort of expiration date um, by when you would read a book or does it not matter when it was written? It just matters that mm -hmm. the book itself was good. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all in terms of the timeline. Um, the only thing would be if I'm getting um, an ARC, so an advanced review copy, and if they want a review done by a specific time near the publication date or whatever, then I try and work that in. Um, but because I, I run the blog myself, I read all of the books myself, I write all of the reviews myself, I do all of the interviews myself. 
And this is a passion project. So I don't make any money from this. So I, and I'm only one person. So <laughs> I only have so much time that I can spend reading. So I try and, and um, have my to read list in a specific order in terms of when I received books and rotating genres equally, things like that. Um, so if I get an arc, I'll try and time it appropriately. Um, but in terms of older books, I have no problem reading and reviewing older books. They need just as much promotion as new books. Yeah. And um, in terms of arcs, like you said, you're happy to read them, but there is kind of a queue and you do need some time. Uh, what would you say, ideally, if someone had an arc, how far in advance should they give it to you? Ideally, six months would be really good. And that doesn't necessarily need to be the final copy edited, perfect um, designed copy of it. Um, they can send me something a little bit um, still in the works as long as, you know, it's mostly done. If you still need to fix typos and punctuation, whatever, that's fine. I don't usually comment on those types of things in my reviews anyway. I focus on character and story and things like that. Um, so I'm perfectly fine getting those types of copies to make that timeline work. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, six months is is a good timeline because it gives me enough time to add it to my to, to read list, read the book, and then formulate a review. Okay. And are you typically looking for ebook or paperback, both one or the other? Uh, I will accept both. I much prefer print just because I am a diehard print fan and I prefer reading print over ebook. Um, but I do understand that ebooks are a lot easier and cheaper for publishers and authors to send. So I'm totally willing to accept those. However, I will usually do more social media promotion for print because I'm able to take photos of the book and things like that that are really easy and good to post on social media. So there is kind of a pro and con for, for both formats. Mm -hmm. And is there any requirement as in where the book is published? Like, um, does it have to be published on Amazon? Um, and, you know, Smashwords can put a book out to Kobo and Barnes and Noble, uh, Nook and things like that. Is there anything where you say, well, if it's not published on this platform, I wouldn't read it? Or does it matter? Is it not? No, matter? absolutely not. As long as it's available for sale in Canada, I'm happy. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, I think that based on this, you should have a lot of people who are interested. I know if I was Canadian, I would be interested. <laughs> so I hope that our Canadian listeners who are writers will be very interested in submitting their books to you and then hopefully doing an author interview with you too. Mm -hmm. That's really some great publicity they would be getting with you. Um, what social media do you post on as well? Um, I post on Facebook and Twitter under SQS Reviews. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Ellen. This was a great conversation. And let us know where we can find you after the show. I know Facebook, but uh, how would we find you there? Um, yeah, so my Facebook is under Scribbles, Quibbles, and Scrawlings. Um, the SQS Twitter is at SQS Reviews. And then, of course, SQS.com. Um, and, yeah. And there's a contact form on the website as well, so feel free to reach out at any time.
Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on the Creative Edge Writers Showcase. This has been a copyrighted podcast owned by the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and Creative Edge Marketing. We will be back on November 1st at 9 p.m. Eastern Time with Peter James, international best-selling crime and thriller author. In the meantime, you can look up our show on Facebook for updates, and we will see you in the next episode. Mm -hmm.